Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir and Chaim Maharan. <clears throat> we dedicate the learning today, Le'ilu Nishmas Kalman Bereb Elias, whose yard site is on the 17th of Sivan, and Le'ilu Nishmas Yentefradal Bas Rebbe Huda Aryeh, Harini Kaporas Mishkova, and for a complete refuah shalema for all those that need it. In the previous year, we told a story about a person, a student of Rabbi Nachman Mendel Mivitebsk, who came to his Rebbe after the student had already passed away. <clears throat> and we spoke about the Olam Atoyu, that when a person passes away, sometimes the person doesn't realize it, that there are angels, negative angels, Malachi Chabol, as they're called, that can take the person on a trip and they could put the person into a place where the person thinks that they're still living in this world and they're still able to do mitzvahs and <clears throat> when it's not a real world. It's called Olam <clears> HaToyu. <throat> and a person can be there for a period, who knows how long and not realize it. And Rabbi Nizal had stressed the importance of coming close to a tzaddik in this world and even in the next world, in order that the tzaddik should be able to save the person from this type of problem and any other types of problems. The Sefer Chaim Oharan, the notes were originally written by Rav Zal, and the Sefer was compiled and put together mostly by Rav Nachman Chirin, who was one of the most learned of Rav Zal's students. There are certain things that Rav Nachman Shirin decided not to print. Certain appendixes, certain delicate stories, certain delicate statements that Rav made that are called Hashmotos. Hashmotos means things that were left out intentionally sometimes because of concern about publishing and printing these things. And there are different versions of the Sefer Chaim Maharan some have these Hashmatois, some don't, some have more, some less. In the BRI, the Breslov Research Institute, book, book called Tzadik, there is a story that's not, I haven't seen it in the standard Chaim Arans. I heard the story, and it's an incredible, important story, and therefore I'd like to go through that story right now. And it's related to the story, the previous story we had regarding Rebbe Nachman Mendel Mivitebsk. Rebbe Avrom, Rebbe Nachman Tulchiner, had a brother-in-law whose name was Rebbe Moshe Yehoshua Bezhelyansky. And he was known as Rebbe Alter Tepliker. He came from the city of Teplik. And it seems he had this name Alter at one point added on, and he was known as Rabalta Tepliker. And he wrote several sforim in Breslov that are famous, Hishtaphus Anefesh, which is a collection of just about everything that Rabbeinazal and Rabnosnazal said on the topic of Tfilah, and especially Hispoidus. He wrote a sefer, Meshivas Nefesh, which is a collection of all of the encouragement that we find in Rabbeinu Zalzforim and Rabbeinu Zalzforim. And this rabbi, Rabalta Teplika, put together, uh, added a little bit of additional information, introduction, other things, which give tremendous beauty to these Sforim that he put out. He also wrote 
the Sefer, the commentary on Likutei Amran, Mei Hanachal. He wrote the commentary on the Haggadah, the Breslov commentary on the Haggadah, which is called Oer Zoreach. <coughs> and he also wrote a Breslov commentary on Pirkei Ovois, which is called Mili Diovis. These forums aren't necessarily always available in print, but they are tremendously helpful. <coughs> and he is the one, unfortunately, who was murdered, Al-Kiddush Hashem, <coughs> by the Cossacks. He was sitting near a Sefer Torah in a base medrash when they came in and murdered him, Rachmorovitzlan. This Rabalta Tepliker, he is the one who told this story that we're about to tell now regarding Reb David Hirsch. He, he heard this story from Reb David Hirsch of Dmitrivka, who had it told to him by a grandson of Reb Shlema Lutzker, who was a student of the Mizritcha Magid. This grandson of Reb Shlema Lutzker, his mother had brought him to Rabbi Nachman for him to be Meshamesh, for him to be an attendant of Rabbi Nachman during a period of time. I believe this was during the time that Rabbenazal was in Medvedevka, before Rabbenazal came to Breslov. And his mother had brought him to Rabbenazal with the hope that Rabbenazal would help him find a shidduch. And it was during the time that he was being Meshamesh Rabbenazal, that this Reb Shlemoy was serving Rabbenazal, that the following story took place. In the city of Medvedevka, which is one of the cities that Rabbenazal spent several years in after he got married, before he became famous, before he went to Breslov, there was a man by the name of Reb Hirsch, who was one of Rabbenazal's close students, even when Rabbenazal was at such a young age. This man, Reb Hirsch, had two children, a son and a daughter, and his son contracted the disease of tuberculosis which is a, a lung disease. It's actually the same disease that Rabbeinazal contracted later in his life, from which he passed away. Now, Rav Hirsch, the father, didn't understand how serious this sickness was, and he took it lightly. He didn't even mention it to Rabbeinazal when Rabbeinazal was visiting the city of Medvedevka at the time where this Rav Hirsch lived. His son-in-law, Rav Hirsch's son-in-law, however, did realize the seriousness of the sickness, and he went to Rabbeinazal to plead with him to be mispalel for his brother-in-law, his sister's husband, to have a refuah shalema. Rabbeinazal's response was, I can't do anything for him in this world, but in the future world, I'll be able to help him once he passes away. And Rabbeinazal said, to, said to, to the son-in-law, have him, have Rav Hirsch's son come to me to speak to me, and I'll tell him exactly what he needs to know. This son-in-law was shocked to hear these words. I can't help him in this world, but I'll be able to help him in the next world. And he tried to arouse Rabbeinazal's compassion that Rabbeinazal should be willing to do whatever it takes to nullify the decree and the brother-in-law should live. So the son-in-law said to Rabbeinazal, could you imagine this, this young man's father 
who only has a son and a daughter, and he's already old now. He's, there's he's no, no chance of him having more children. Could you imagine the suffering that he'll have to lose his only son? And Rabbein Zal didn't say, didn't comment. Then the son-in-law tried again to repeat it again. And when he finished, Rabbein Zal said to him, why are you trying to pressure me? Don't you realize that if I work to do whatever it takes that he should recover, Hashem will have to take 13 other people. 13 other people will have to die in his place. And, and by Hashem, all of his children are equal in a certain sense. So that even when a person, the Gemara says, even when a Jew hurts his finger, Hashem, Hashem feels that. Besides, could be that you're one of the 13. Could be you'll be one of the 13 that'll have to die if he survives. When the son-in-law heard this, he stopped immediately. Now we know the Zohar Kodesh. In Parshas Pinchas, the Zohar Kodesh has a fantastic story about Rabbi Yossi, one of the great tzaddikim at that time, an incredible story. And the Zohar Kodesh says that this Rabbi Pinchas, I'm sorry, that this Rabbi Yossi, his neshama left him, and his son started just went was by his bed and crying and crying, and the Zohar Kodesh tells the story of the tefillah that the son said at that time, and he was actually able to bring back his father's soul to have his father come back to life. And the Zohar Kodesh says that some of the students of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yehoshua witnessed this, <coughs> Rabbi Elazar and some of the other Talmidim. And Rabbi Elazar said at the time, he said to Rabbi Yossi, when he came back to life, he said to him, how fortunate you are that the words, the tefillah of this young goat, he referred to this young child as a young goat, his tefillah and his tears went up to the Kisei the throne of Hashem, and there was a judgment, and Hashem gave the Malach Moves, the angel of death, 13 people in your place. There's actually a pasuk, the Zohar Kodesh says in a different place, the Zohar Kodesh quotes a pasuk, Vo'eten Edoim Tachtecho. Hashem says, I will substitute Edoim for you. The nation of Edoim means Esav. And the Zohar Kodesh says that the word Edoim is the same letters as the word Adam, Vo'etein Adam Tachtecha, that in certain rare instances where a person is supposed to die and something happens to be able to save that person's life, because the Malach Amavis, the angel of death, had already been notified that this is one of his victims, that he can have this person, if that person is taken away from him, this brings about a rage, in the sense, on the part of the Amalekhamavis. And the Zohar Kodesh says that there are times where up to 13 people have to be substituted for one who was supposed to pass away and didn't. So again, when the son-in-law heard this, he immediately stopped. And he went off to speak to his brother-in-law to tell him to go see Rabbi Nizal. When the brother-in-law, who was very sick with this tuberculosis when he came, 
Rabbeinazal spoke to him for a while, and then Rabbeinazal left Medvedevka <coughs> and returned home to where Rabbeinazal was living at the time. Sure enough, Rev Hirsch's son passed away two months later, and his father went through incredible mourning over his son. During this mourning period, the son-in-law of Rev Hirsch told his father-in-law the whole story about how he had gone to Rabbeinazal and pleaded with Rabbeinazal to try to save the son and what Rabbeinazal had told him. And again, this was when Rabbeinazal had visited, was visiting the city of Rav Medivka. Rav Hirsch, the father, was in tremendous grief and he cried continually. He couldn't stop crying. And as soon as the shiva had ended for his son, he immediately traveled to Breslov to go see Rabbeinazal. So at this point in time, Rabbeinazal is already living in Breslov. Where Rabbeinazal lived, the last seven and a half years of his life. The final half year was in Uman. Arriving at night, Reb Hirsch tried to go as quickly as he could to Rabbeinazal, who was already preparing to go to sleep. He knocked on the door and he spoke to Rabbeinazal's shamas, this Reb Shloimoi, who informed Rabbeinazal that this Reb Hirsch from Medvedevka came to see him. As soon as Rav Hirsch came into the room, he started crying uncontrollably, couldn't stop, and he couldn't even compose himself enough to be able to speak. Rabbeinazal consoled him, and Rabbeinazal said to him, Rashi says in Chumash, in the beginning of Parshas Noyach, the Pasuk begins with the words, Eile toildois Noyach, these are the children of Noyach, Noyach ish tzadik, Tomim Noyach was a tzadik, he was pure in his generation, and Noyach went with Hashem. And then the following Pasuk says that Noyach gave birth to three children, Shem, Chom, and Yophas. But the first Pasuk where it says, these are the children of Noyach, all it says is Noyach was a tzadik. So Rashi HaKadosh points out on that Pasuk, this comes to teach us that the, the main children of, of a tzaddik are his mitzvot and meisent toivim, his good deeds. So Rabbein Zal tried to console him, telling him that all of your mitzvot and meisent toivim, those are also, those are your children. But Rav Hirsch wouldn't be consoled at all by this or anything else that Rabbein Zal tried to tell him. He was just crying and crying. And at one point, Rav Hirsch said to Rabbeinazal, who's going to be my Kaddish after I pass away? My son, he was the only one, my only son, who could say Kaddish after me. And Rabbeinazal said to him, in that case, I'll be your Kaddish. I'll be the one to say Kaddish for you. And I'll teach you how to die. At this point... Rabbeinazal motioned to his shamas, this Reb Shloimoy, to leave the room. Reb Shloimoy wanted desperately to hear this. He heard Rabbeinazal said to Rav Hirsch, I'm going to teach you how to die. So he left the room and closed the door behind him, but didn't close it completely, hoping that he'll be able to hear something. 
and yet he didn't hear most of what was said. The only thing he managed to hear was Rabbi Nassau advising Rav Hirsch to make a shvua, to swear while he's holding something holy, like a Sefer Torah or a Sefer, something like that, that after he dies, immediately when they seal the coffin, he'll, he'll, he'll insist on going to Rabbi Nassau. And insist on coming to Rabbeinazal. This Rav Hur question. Was still alive? So how can go? Correct. Rabbeinazal is living. Rav Hirsch will pass away, and after he passes away, he will insist that he be brought to Rabbeinazal, to be brought that his neshama be brought to the tzaddik. Even though, though Rabbi Nezal is physically, just like we had a story with Rabbi Nachman Mendel Mivitebsk, that a student of his had passed away, and the story with the Malachim who took him to the other boy, and in the end he insisted, I want to see my Rebbe, I want to see my Rebbe, and they were forced to bring him, Teretz Yisrael, to bring him to where Rabbi Nachman Mendel Mivitebsk was. We had this in the story the previous week. After Rav Hirsch returned home to the city of Medvedevka, Everything, all of this took place during the winter. <clears throat> a while later, Reb Shloimoy, this Shamas of Rabbeinazal, had reason to travel to the city of Medvedevka. And when he arrived there, he found that there was a Magefa, there was a plague that had already taken the lives of a number of children. A number of children in the city had died from this Magefa, and the people in the town wanted very much to send somebody to bring a pityoin to Rabbeinazal, to bring a sum of money to Rabbeinazal, that Rabbeinazal should be mispalel for them, that this plague should stop. And unfortunately, they weren't able to raise the money for the pityoin, as well as the expenses that would be required for the person to travel from Medvedevka to Breslov. In the meantime, this Rav Hirsch passed away, and before he was buried, Rabbi Nezal Shamas, who was in the city at the time, this Reb Shloimoy, <clears throat> said to some of Rabbi Nezal's followers who lived in Medvedevka, including Reb Yudel, who was one of the close students of Rabbi Nezal, who was a Mekubal, a very great tzaddik himself, he told them the whole story, what he had heard behind the closed door, how he heard that Rabbi Nezal had told Rav Hirsch that before you pass away, <clears throat> make sure you take this shavua, this oath, with a Sefer Torah to come to me right after you pass away. And Rav Shlema said he wasn't sure, did Rav Hirsch do this? <clears throat> did he remember? Did he, did he have enough time to do this before he passed away? So Rabbeinazal's students who were there, including Rav Yudel, came up with a plan <clears throat> that as they were carrying Rav Hirsch's body to be buried, a Sefer Torah was brought and put next to him, and they said to him, they said to Rav Hirsch, who was no longer alive, <clears throat> that take, a, take an oath, that you'll go immediately to, as soon as the burial is finished, you'll go immediately to Rabbeinazal to inform him about this Magefa that's attacking the children of the city. And because of this Shavuah, because of this oath, Reb Hirsch would have to go to Rabbeinazal, even if he himself had not previously followed Rabbeinazal's advice, even if he hadn't done this himself prior. 
we know that there is a custom today. There's a custom in Yerushalayim that when a person is buried, <clears throat> the Hever Kadisha says to the, to the corpse, you should know that you are a mace. You should know that you're a dead. You are dead now. And don't allow yourself to be fooled. And if he's a breast liver, they tell him, go straight to the Rebbe. Go straight. Insist that you want to go to your Rebbe. Three months later, this Reb Shloimoy, Reb Shamis, returned to the city of Breslov. And when he came to Reb Enazal, Reb Enazal asked him, do you remember when Rav Hirsch passed away? And Reb Shloimoy said, I remember the month that it was, but I don't remember the actual day. So Reb Enazal said, was it on this and this day of the month? And then Rabbi Shlomer said, yes, yes, now I remember it was that day. So Rabbi Nezal said, you see, right after they closed the coffin, immediately after they finished burying him, he came to me right away. And Rabbi Shlomer commented, it seemed that Rabbi Nezal himself was surprised at how quickly this happened, that immediately after he was buried, he was able to come to Rabbi Nezal. Again, this story was told personally by Rabbeinazal's attendant, told this to this Reb David Hirsch of Dimitrivka, who told it over to Reb Alter Teplika. Any questions? Now we have one more story left in this, in this part of the Sefer Chaim Aran, with which we're going to conclude this section that's called Sipurim Chadoshim, New Stories, these special stories and dreams and visions that Rabbi Nezal had. <coughs> the, the final story that appears in this section, Kuf Gimel, is something that Rabbi Nezal told over on a Friday night, Right after he had made a moitzi on the challah, Rabbi Nezal told over this story. He said there was once a king, and the king traveled to a certain country, and in this country he saw beautiful palaces, and he loved them. So he went back to his, his own city, and he hired people, craftsmen, to build palaces for him like the ones that he had seen in this other country. They built these palaces, and they decorated them, they designed them beautifully. Afterwards, when they finished building these beautiful palaces and made all the beautiful designs and artwork in it, the king made a major, major feast, and he sent invitations to all the people of his country that anyone who wants to come to see these beautiful palaces that were built for him is invited to come. So sure enough, people came from all places far and wide to see this. Now, from one of the cities, there were two people that joined together on a trip to come to see these palaces. One was a Jew, and one was a non-Jew. In Yiddish, the word that's used is a shalachzis, a, a, an aristocrat. And they traveled together to go and see <clears throat> these beautiful palaces that were built for the king. 
when they came to the gate, when they came to the entranceway where you can go in, they saw that there was a beautiful, beautiful pathway that was, <coughs> that was designed at the entranceway. <coughs> beautiful, gorgeous path. And from the, on the two sides of this path, there were these springs of water. And over each one of these springs of water, there was an angel appointed over it. Now, on one, si on, the si on one side of the road, there was a poor person who was walking along, and he was extremely thirsty. And those people, those angels that were appointed, refused to give him even a drop of water to drink. Now, in the middle of the road, there was a, a very a, a dignitary that was traveling in a beautiful wagon, and he said to one of the people there, one of the guards, <clears throat> bring me some water to wash my hands with. So sure enough, one of the guards there went, and they brought him water to wash his hands with. So then, another one of the guards there went, and gave the poor person water to drink. So the, the, the guard who had given the water to the aristocrat to wash his hands with went and threw hot ashes on the one who had given the water to the poor person. Now the Jew and the, the, the other person, this dignitary who was with him, were watching this whole scenario and the non-Jew said, this is terrible. This is a major injustice. When the Jew heard him say these words, this is a tremendous injustice, he slapped the non-Jew in the face. And this started a whole fight, a major fight, until the king heard about this fight going on outside the palace, and the king sent for the Jew and this non-Jew that was with him to come. So the king asked the Jew, why did you slap him in the face? He said because he had the, the chutzpah, the audacity to say that something that was being done by the king's guards was an injustice. He spoke against the king. So the king turned to the non-Jew, this dignitary, and said to him, why did you say that? Why did you say that this is an injustice? He said to him, isn't it an injustice? that this poor person there, this beggar, is thirsty, extremely thirsty, he wants to drink, they don't want to give him anything to drink. And this other person that wants some water to wash his hands with, they give it to him. And not, not, if that's not bad enough, the one that gave the poor man water to, to drink, the other one threw ashes, hot ashes on him. The one that had given the, the, the dignitary water to wash his hands. Then the king turned to the Jew and asked him, so why did you slap him? So the Jew gave some kind of a reason, some kind of explanation as to why he understood why they felt that they should give water to that dignitary to wash his hands with and why they shouldn't give it to the poor person. This one, the aristocrat, it's, it's right, it's proper for them to give him water and for the beggar they didn't have to give him water. And Rabbi Nassau didn't explain any further what the logic was that this Jew has said why this one should have gotten the water and this one shouldn't. 
Rabbein Ezzel finished telling this story, and then he said that on, remember, he's telling this story on Friday night, after Kiddush, after washing, after making the moitzi on the challah. And Rabbein Ezzel went on to say that on every Erev Shabbos, on Friday afternoon, a Jew has to travel through all of the four worlds, the Olam Hu'asiyah, the world that we are in, and then the Olam Hayitzira, go up to the world of the angels, and then to the Olam Habriya, the world of the throne of Hashem, and from there up to Atzilus, to the highest world, the world that's called Atzilus. Atzilus means Eitzel, close to, the closest world to Hashem himself. And Rabbein went on to say, even in this world that we exist in, even the Olam Hasiyah, it's not so easy to travel, for a person to travel from one location to the other, especially if the person isn't a great tzaddik. All of this, Rabbi Nelson writes, Rabbi Nelson told over on a Friday night after the Hamoitzi. And this is how the story ends. There isn't any further explanation. question in the chat <clears throat> that, it, that the story when we said that the gate the entranceway the entranceway to the palace just a moment exactly that it's on the entranceway of the palace that there was designed there a beautiful picture-like of a path, a path. So it's not that there, and, and again, from the two sides of this path were these streams of water, etc., etc., the story as we told it. Question, if it's only a picture, how could they go on the path? The answer is, again, this is part of a vision that Rabbi Nezal saw. Not everything is logic here. Obviously, there's a certain very deep message here in something that was going on with the king, with the palaces, all of these different things. But unfortunately, we were in Zoycha that Rabbein Azal should explain this, should give an interpretation of this dream. I believe that we're, we're in the second hit today, I believe, is the 15th of Sivan. Next week, Sunday, will be the 22nd of Sivan, approximately, which will be the week, uh, the, and the following week will be Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, where we're headed towards Rosh Hashanah. We have three months towards Rosh Hashanah, Tammuz of and Elul. We've covered several sections already of Chaim Aran. There is a section here in Chaim Aran which speaks about <clears throat> when Rabbi Nezal settled in the city of Uman, those last five months of his life, and also where it speaks about the great importance of Rosh Hashanah, of Rabbi Nezal's Rosh Hashanah. I believe that this is what we're going to take up in Yitz Hashem in the next shear on Chaim Oran. I'd like to hold it here for now. The shear is shorter than usual because of all kinds of circumstances preparing tonight in Yitz Hashem. I'm leaving for the United States. Baruch Hashem, there's a simcha in the family. Rav Rosenfeldzal's granddaughter is getting married tomorrow night in New York. I hope to be there for that. And I hope to be there approximately for about six weeks in Yitz Hashem. In Yitz Hashem, I'm hoping that the Sunday shir will continue throughout the Sundays, and the daily Likutei Aloha shir will be 
we'll have it on Monday morning and Thursday morning, Eretz Yisrael time, the usual time, 8 a.m., Monday and Thursday mornings, Mutsushim.